edition of the Purple Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and I have with me, as always, my co-host and friend, Grant McGalliard. Grant, how are you? Doing great, Parker. Uh, catching up on Rolling Stones knowledge after uh, Charlie Watts' passing, RIP. We're not going to focus on that because this is a happy podcast. Uh, but go listen to your favorite Rolling Stones song. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of great ones. Uh, She's a Rainbow, I recommend. I don't know if you're a fan of that. I'm a fan of many uh, Rolling Stones. My, I, I, you know, I actually like Moonlight Mile. Really? I think I, I know that's kind of like a weird one, and but you know me, you know, I, I you know, like, I like all of their stuff. But that's kind of one that I'm always just like, yeah, I want to like drive at night sure. and listen to Moonlight Mile, um, maybe with the windows down. Yeah. I don't know, live right. your life. I'll tell you this: Honky Talk Women, of course, a classic. I actually prefer Country Honk, the version on uh, Let It Bleed. So. Um, I do, I do appreciate the Rolling Stones because they opened so many doors into other music for yeah. me as well. They weren't, they, they weren't just an end in themselves. And so, you know, I think about that, you say country and I think about wild horses that I love that actually that was written by Graham Parsons of the flying yep. burrito brothers. And that takes you down a whole nother awesome kind of country folk rock Americana deal. And if you want to go down that rabbit hole, dead flowers, great song, even better version towns, Van Zant cover dead flowers on the road songs album. I also love that the, the Rolling Stones version feels antagonistic. Yeah. And Towns Van Zandt takes the exact same words and makes it feel like depressing yeah. and resigned. Just yeah, great. Wonderful. Both. Um, this is a country music <laughs> podcast. It always has. It always <laughs> has been. Wait, it's all country music? <laughs> always has been. Uh, how are you, Parker? I'm doing all right. I am getting excited for football season. I am way behind. We are cranking out uh, episodes. We went live today, live on YouTube. I don't know what that means, but evidently you could watch it live today on the BetUS um, college football show. And so that was really fun. Uh, kind of talking about methodology and tomorrow we're going to do some picks. So I'm getting my numbers in order. I might stay up all night to uh, feel like I'm in, in middle school and haven't done my homework, but um We'll get there. So, yeah, feeling good about it. Feeling excited about fall and football season. This morning in location undisclosed, it was 42 and clear this morning. And I thought, yep, I can get used to this. I can get used to uh, a little bit of fall weather coming in, a little bit of football. So I'm also really excited, Grant, uh, for this podcast tonight. I feel like we've been keeping this in our back pocket. We've been like, no, we'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it. And finally, this is the week we are doing the 2021 TCU preview. Can I call it definitive? Am I allowed to call this the definitive TCU twenty twenty one preview? I think you can. Uh, I think I'm yeah, I think you should. Um, and I guarantee you, when we put out the show notes for this podcast in the description, it will say the definitive TCU preview. Um, Parker, I'm at the point. We might even go title. Yeah, it, it probably will be. I'm at the point, Parker, and and I know you'll make this. You know, a, a, a disclaimer before we begin is that when we do analysis of TCU or, or we sit down to write the preview and, and, and think about everything, we do it from, listen, we're not journalists. I'm not anymore. Parker, because he's very smart, has never been. But we do it from a neutral perspective. But then when we get on a podcast and it's, you know, 8 o'clock central and, you know, I've had a drink and it is 10 days away from, te- from kickoff, some of our biases may slip in. Is all I want to say, and we will try to, to delineate it when that happens. But um, the point is, like we've tried to come at this from a neutral perspective. We've tried to approach it as we would the last nine previews that we've done. Am I wrong? That is that is certainly my hope, and I I think what we kind of talked about is that when we sense kind of the fan stuff coming in, what I'd like to do is Grant, you're you're familiar with you know linear regression, y equals yes. uh, mx plus b, uh-huh. right? Uh, and you get a point estimate and then you get a standard error and you kind of get a confidence interval and you say, okay, I'm 95% sure that reality is here in between these two points. 
Uh, that's kind of what we'll try and do is say like, look, if everything goes well, like blinders on, this is yeah. this is great. If everything goes really, really poorly or kind of more objectively, I feel like I might have concerns. I, I think we'll we'll try to do a good sure. job of that tonight. Sure. Uh, Frogs by 90 is what. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Four, uh, 15 and a is, is, is what we're saying. I, I've got to be uh, I've got to be up front, though. I, I, I am really excited for this TCU season, Grant, because many, many people are saying this. More and more people are saying that 2021 is, is TCU years. The writing has been on the wall for all the quarterback struggles um, and development struggles and offensive struggles of the last couple of years. We, we've known, look, man, that 20 to 22 window is going to be special for TCU. Uh, it's going to be TCU's opportunity to kind of climb back in the national conversation. It is. And, and I mean, I ended every article I wrote for like the last year with uh, the Latin Wiginti Unis Annus S because it, it, 2021 is the year. Um, and it's not just a year in terms of, of a development cycle, right? Which I know you um, uh, have kind of harped on, but, but it's also a point where Gary Patterson could sort of, and, and TCU as a program, can establish a foothold in the national conversation and, and as a legacy. And the shifting tides of college football right now where, hey, you know, you got to kind of put up or shut up or you might be left behind in the dust with conference realignment. This is a golden opportunity for TCU to take advantage of um, certainly not a weak Big 12 because I think Oklahoma obviously is still top dog and Iowa State's very good, but the chance is there for TCU to make its name and, and, and really sort of um, take advantage of talent at the right time, weak opponents at the right time, and, uh, you, know, you know, certainly vie for conference supremacy. Yeah, and, and as you say that, I do think that we've kind of delineated between, um, you know, serious contenders and, and kind of fringe contenders in the Big 12. And uh, I really do think it's the Big 12 is so interesting this year because there are more than one. There's not an obvious, you know, one team, two team, right? Like 2018, 19, 20 uh, have been, you know, there's there's Oklahoma and somebody else. I mean, 17 forever, forever. Yeah. It's been Oklahoma and a definitive somebody else. Arguably 2018, Texas was not very good. It kind of fell to the, you know, it wasn't like there was two good teams. It was just there was one good team and then one kind of not, not, not a bad team. Uh, but but so generally, I think that this is interesting because it is so so deep. You know, the problem with 2021 being the year is that it's it's the year for Iowa State. Mm-hmm. Um, it's arguably the year for Oklahoma State with with Spencer Sanders maturity. Uh, you know, Texas Tech's be gearing up for a big year. Kansas State with Skylar Thompson back and a lot of returning production is saying, you know, I think we're eyeing comp- contention this year. So um, really really interesting kind of big storylines surrounding you know TCU's. This is the big year claim um which i don't know is an explicit claim so much as it is just kind of a revealed I, preference it's it's kind of how things have sure i don't know if it's a claim or if it's two dudes on a podcast that have tried to make it a thing but either way we're going to continue to try to make it a thing we're going to make fetch happen <laughs> um that was a mean girls reference mean girls is a movie from 2000 go ahead gretchen wieners listen i love that movie can i say that 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 movie's incredible that that, that movie holds up that movie is along the lines of, i'm going to give you a trifold okay. movies right uh, trifecta, excuse me. Zombieland, yep. Shrek, <laughs> uh-huh. Mean Girls. All three better than you remember. Yes. That's not a that is not a statement of quality of absolute quality. That is saying every time you watch them, you think I enjoyed this more than I. Remember. Can I tell you? Okay, we said before we record this podcast, we're going to make this really snappy. This is the last thing we're going to do before <laughs> we get to concrete. Parker, <laughs> gun to your head without thinking. What is your favorite Mean Girls line? 
thought too much. I know I'm kind of freezing because there's like four or five. I think I think fetch happened, fetch happened. or like I, I say you can't sit with us a lot. Yeah, like that, yeah, that yeah. one's pretty good too. Mine yeah. is a. I don't think my father, the inventor of toaster shooter, would be happy to hear about it. <laughs> Just because it's that the one's stupid, pretty good. stupidest line. Anyway, that movie's so good. And the and the the mathletes and that kid yes. Kevin, who's oh dude, I love Kevin. Okay, Kevin's a king. Uh, don't let me go down this <laughs> rabbit hole. Okay, let's talk about 2020 TCU and kind of recap their season, and then uh, and then you know we can talk about 21 and kind of how both sides of the ball shake out. Yes. Also, we have a surprise for you. We should mention before we hop in. I thought this. you were. I thought you were going to say we have to stop the podcast to do one more. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I, we do have a. We I just do want to give a surprise. point of order. Um, yeah, that, and, and, yeah. No, tell, tell us about that because I, I want to plug that. Yeah, in, yeah, yeah. I can tell you about it. I don't Please, know. Parker. You you masterminded this whole thing. It was your idea. Lay it on us. We look. We 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 like the fans. We interact with a lot of people. I consider most of the people who listen to this podcast friends. Um, and, uh, and those of you who we know, you, who, you know why. You know who you are. <laughs> Um, do not talk to me about Chandler Morris this fall, all three of you. Um, but, uh, so, so what I decided to do, I don't, I, I'd like to do this. It's going to be a lot of work. So I don't know if we'll do it every week, but, uh, I, I'd like to hear from, from y'all as smart opinions and, and I'd like to get less Twitter focused and more kind of podcast focused. And so in doing that, I just wanted to say, Hey, we want to hear from you. So we have, uh, some audio recordings from the listeners who have said, Hey, here's my TCU prediction for this fall and some really, really sharp stuff. I listened to all of them beforehand to make sure that no one said anything like, uh, fart on the podcast. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so we're going to toss those in right before Grant and I do our predictions here at the end too. So we'll recap 20. We'll talk both sides of the ball and then we will, um, and then we'll get to your predictions and our predictions for, for TC's 2021. Yeah, dude, I, I am so jacked Parker. Like I've been waiting for this episode for like a month. I, I cannot wait to start this. Um, and, and I can't wait oh, to yeah. mercilessly roast all of you that get, uh, the record wrong, whoever you are. <laughs> now we have audio receipts. In 2020, TCU started the season one and three, a rough loss to Iowa State, uh, largely on the back of one, Iowa State being a good team, but two, TCU having to play Matt Downing for the first half, uh, out a couple starters as well. They made a great second half push, but but came short. Uh, it, again, they went to Texas the next weekend, eked out a win, a clutch fumble very late in the game. Uh, some breakout moments for Max Duggan and Quentin Johnston together, uh, which were, were, were pretty great. A really frustrating loss to Kansas State where Wes Harris gets hurt. The offensive line instability is really kind of cemented as a, sea, uh, a theme of the season in that Kansas State game. Grant, correct me if I'm wrong. Wes Harris broke his jaw during the Kansas State game and finished the game? Yeah, yeah, he did do that, Parker. That is, um, Wes Harris has some hair on his chest. That's all sure. I'll say. He's, he's eating, he's I don't eating, want to talk about gender norms. I'll just say. He's eating a lot of garlic. Put it that way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, is Wes Harris a vampire? No, <laughs> no that would that, be bad. That's the right? other way around. You're throwing off my narrative. <laughs> okay, so one of the most frustrating TC losses of all time. I'm not being no, we, we uh One of the most I, I looked back earlier today. I titled my recap for that game, <laughs> Requiem for a Dream. Uh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. I was kind of down in the dumps. Um, yeah, the next week, uh, TCU, Oklahoma, TCU is a little bit healthier. That's where we really see the seeds of, okay, maybe the COVID year and the instability is not the only issue with TCU as Oklahoma politely refused to do anything on offense until, 
CJ Caesar came in the game at quarterback and then they just mercilessly went after him, which is what I would do. Um, and, and, and TC only scored 14 points. One of those was a garbage touchdown a little late. And, and we really started to think, man, they cannot move the ball again. Uh, what happened is the quality of competition basically went to the floor the rest of the season. Uh, against Baylor, TCU got out to a big lead. They sat back and, and said, okay, we're up big. Why don't you try and win it? And Baylor almost did. Uh, against Texas Tech, TCU really couldn't put them away, even though they were kind of inept. Um, I posted a big run the other day of Zach Evans in that game, and literally Texas Tech defense could not line up uh, in, in that game. And, and Matt Wells had one of the most head scratching decisions in all of college football history, kicking a field goal on second down with all three timeouts left. Just absolute. I I, I want to interject there to stress how like insane that field goal decision was like that doesn't get enough. Like people talk about the cheese bowl as being like an abstract art of college football. That field goal was indefensible to the point where it becomes, it, it was the theater of the absurd. It, like I, Matt Wells is doing performance. Yeah, yeah, that's that, could, all that could be was. the only, yeah. yeah. That, that doesn't have anything no, to do with the narrative but, TCU but season. I, though, I like but, to talk about as much as I can. So go ahead. Basically TCU had two uncomfortable wins against two very bad teams. I have them at a 58% win probability against Baylor and a win expectancy rather, and a 59.25 win expectancy against Texas Tech. Uh, negative EPA on offense in both of those games. Grant, TCU's offense can't do anything uh, except be more talented than, than opponents. Enter the West Virginia game. Um, TCU had every opportunity to score. Max Duggan missed one of the... A throw, Grant, I've seen you throw the ball. You, you could have made mm-hmm. this throw. Um, just completely... Started to show, you know, you know, Doug, Duggan played really poorly. They they were trying to go to the outside and they couldn't get outside. The interior offensive line was so bad against the Stills brothers and how disruptive that West Virginia defense was. TCU just could not move the ball. And it became evident that in practice, they were not able to kind of connect and get rhythms. Um, you think about the Texas Tech game too. Max Duggan threw an interception on the first play because they did a 30-yard fade to the back of the end zone on the first play of game, which is not how you treat a quarterback who has struggled all season. Um, they go to the Kansas game. There were some undisclosed COVID issues. I'm not going to tell stories out of school. Um, that game was very frustrating. Max Duggan only threw 11 passes. I'm giving him credit for uh, completing four of them because Darius Davis just dropped one. But, you know, 59-23 drubbing of Kansas, that honestly was just a terrible game from all kinds of all yeah. kinds of standpoints. No, I was going to say, they beat the hell out of him. I mean, it was not close. And, and I think Darius Davis had a great, had a punt return. And I think I highlighted this in the recap where it looked like Kansas wasn't on the field. Yeah, there, that that pro Wells touchdown. Yeah, yeah. Uh, literally, no one was right. on. No one was on the field. So again, you 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 end the season. You beat Kansas after you know losing a game you probably should have won against West Virginia. Uh, not not in the sense of like statistically post game win expectancy. I have it nine percent. They just played really really yeah. badly against a team they probably should have beaten. Uh, and then Oklahoma State, Grant. Uh, Oklahoma State game last year was kind of like the turning point for optimism with TCU. You had an offensive line that had played two games Mm -hmm. together going in the most continuity of any offensive line. TCU's nine offensive line combinations last season, combinations, not players, different, different combinations, different positions. Steve Avila, uh, a Remington watchlist center was playing tackle, like just absolute chaos in the offensive line. And they were poorly coached. Um, Oklahoma state, TCU goes down 13 to nothing on the back of 
Oklahoma State scores, and there's a fumble that wasn't a fumble. And TCU's offense stalls. They run screens. They run inside zone. They they run go. And what happens, Grant? What am I going to talk about in the Oklahoma State game that is the turning point for TCU's 2021 season? Not their 2020 season, their 2021 season. It's a conversation on the sideline. Jerry gosh dang kill. Jerry gosh dang kill. Uh, he goes up to Meacham on the sideline and says, no, we're not running this. No, we're not running this. No, we're not running this. When asked about that moment, Coach Patterson said, I can't answer that, but I'll tell you there's a reason I brought Jerry here. Can I tell you this, Parker? And I mean this sincerely. My favorite word in the English language is commandeer. Jerry Kill commandeered the TCU offense at that moment. Now, I'm not saying Jerry Kill is, is just genius of all geniuses. But I will say, give him credit for commandeering things and saying, listen, hey, this, this ain't going to fly. And turning things around. Absolutely. And, and I think we can kind of launch into 2021 from there. Louisiana Tech doesn't really matter. Glad they got the game in. The biggest thing I took away from that is uh, you did a great job at the Solo Recap Podcast. So I know that if I'm feeling tired on, or hungover on a Sunday afternoon, we've got that in our uh-huh. back pocket. Listen, we'll still get I, I, views. I, I'm not so. going to lie to you and say I didn't listen to that before we recorded this podcast. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> just, that's, that's Grant in the mirror every morning listening to the Solo Podcast. You know the, uh, People what's the old like SNL you. sketch with Michael Jordan? Like a... <laughs> <laughs> you're smart. You're important. You don't need anybody else. You're my anyway. <laughs> that's me listening to that podcast. Uh, Grant is not okay. If you if you can reach out and uh, and <laughs> my DMs yourself, are open. No. So, okay, you're right. Jerry Kill is not a genius. I, I'm. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, that. I, on the on the Tom Herman scale, maybe. Probably. <laughs> I don't know if he's a Mets member uh, or not. But but I'm I'm not I'm not saying he's an offensive genius. I'm saying he's an extremely competent yes. manager. Um. And it's demonstrated that last year. I will say, I, I, I really like this trio of Meacham, Kenny Hill, and Jerry I Kill. Uh, one, because it's kind of fun to say, Kenny Hill, Jerry Kill is kind mm-hmm. of a tongue twister. But I will say, that that's the moment, that Oklahoma State game, Jerry Kill looked at Meacham, but at everyone, and said, I'm the captain now. And I, I like that so much. He's kind of this offensive head coach. There, there are going to be issues, and we're going to talk about those. But what he's doing is saying, we have an offensive philosophy. Stop calling stuff that isn't aligned with our offensive philosophy. And that is something that I really, really think is going to be the important theme for 2021. Was that a ruse? Was that something that I'm making up? Was that something that didn't actually happen and it turned out Oklahoma State was just bad and making too much of it? Or is Jerry Kill really saying, no, I'm here, I have a full offseason. TCU was going to do this on offense. And Doug Meacham, a great play sequencer, even if he's not a great you know, maybe playbook designer as his career has showed. He's a guy who says if he has the right plays, he can call them well and deploy them well. And Kenny Hill, who very clearly is one, smart about being a quarterback, two, underrated as a college player, three, emotionally in tune with Max Duggan. And I don't mean that like jokingly. I mean that multiple times last year, he went and got Max away from people who were, you know, getting in his face when something bad happened. He was able to say one of those people is Jerry Kill, but (laughs) Kill and Kenny have a good relationship, so that's fine. So that's kind of the pressing question for the offense in 2021 is – you know, you know the defense we, we, we know and we're going to talk about here first, but the offensive question is, was what we saw in the Oklahoma State game, that second half, was them coming back and winning, was that emblematic of the future of TCU or was that a fluke random game in a COVID year that really doesn't matter? Yeah, Parker, I, uh, I don't know if you are familiar with the movie Talladega Nights. 
maybe you've heard. Uh, of it, I, I've I've watched it and fallen asleep to it on TBS on a Saturday. Great. Right. So there's a great scene where Reese Bobby is talking to Ricky, and uh, he he goes, you know, that's the million dollar question, ain't it, son? And I think that's the million-dollar question. I mean, we could talk about the defense, and I think you're about to lead us into it, and we could talk about the offense and all that. But the question is, because of the way college football is, because of the way the Big 12 is especially, and because of the way the TCU offense is, the million-dollar question is that can Kenny Hill, Doug Meacham, and Jerry Kill design an offense in which Max Duggan can reach the heights of his potential? And everything else is ancillary because that's the way college football is right now. I think we should do a t-shirt with that Ricky Bobby Bobcat on it that says Max Duggan. I, I will, and I will say it's a cougar, and it's very clear. The cougar's Coug- name is Karen, by the way. Sorry. I, I've, I've watched that movie a lot. There's so many things you could do with your time. That's really funny. Uh, inside baseball, I'll text Grant and be like, hey, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I'm like deep into Kierkegaard tonight. I had a glass of whiskey and I'm just like thinking about that. I was like, all right, I'll talk to you about the podcast later. It's fine. Man. No, when I say Kierkegaard, <laughs> I mean Ricky Bobby. I do. <laughs> now I know. Um, okay, let's let's talk about. I know we just tantalized about the offense, but like TC's defense yeah. is so consistently boring. But there's so much turnover here. So last year, they're, they're, the defense was 36th in EPA per play, 59th against the rush. Had a had a big play problem. Mm-hmm. I think we'll talk about and 33rd uh, overall in the pass. Um, they really, you know, gave up a lot of points relative to a TCU defense yeah. and what you would expect, but not when you control for drives. So, Grant, let's talk about this defense. Yeah, and you say give up a lot of points. I mean, you know, again, controlling. I'm not controlling for opponents or per drive or anything. They give up 24.2 points per game, which is 35th in the nation. So, ahead of the pack, but you expect that from a TCU defense, and that is below average, even considering they're playing the Big 12, and uh, give up 5.3 points per play. They did this despite having issues at cornerback. Go ahead. You gave me a quizzical look. I don't understand why. No, I, I, I didn't. I didn't know what I heard. You, what, what? How many points per play? I said yards, not points. Sorry. I oh, don't know. I, I heard your, your stats. I heard are, five point something points per play, and I was like, Christ, look, no, man, no. use whatever stats you we're want. Not, but no, they didn't. We're not UMass. No, uh, five point three <laughs> yards per play. I want to make that very clear. Uh, and they did yes. that despite some issues at corner, right? And sort of what I would call a late developing pass rush, where. I think a lot of their pass rushers got good, but it was only against weak opposition. Where you know, hopefully they both. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit the. Um, I am going to hit the uh, buzzer on fandom here and say TCU's pass rush coincidentally got good as TCU played a lot of very bad offensive yes. lines. Also, remember Oklahoma State was out two starters on the offensive line when we Which played. Which is why them. I said late developing, and I was saying we. I said we. Oh, sorry. I know, and I was saying they weren't necessarily good teams, but the optimism that they developed and got some confidence is there. Is that fair? Yeah, they definitely looked like they were uh, inspired to get after sure. the quarterback. Okay. So what I see that Oshawn Mathis sack against Henry yeah. Columbia when Columbia is like standing in the backfield and Mathis just blanked. Oh, it's, oh, it's so best. great. Love it. It's the best. Um, what I see out of this defense is potential, right? And TCU's defense, I think, <clears throat> this is a phrase that we've tossed around, but TCU's defense for the last couple of years has been good enough, right? And that's good enough to compete, to hang in games where they're not supposed to, and to buoy a good offense to pretty high heights. Unfortunately, TCU's offense hasn't been adequate enough to reach those high heights. It was just kind of fine or, or worse than fine, as we talked about, but... 
the offense should be better, and so should the defense. And there's holes, sure, but there's experience, and not just experience, but experience with talent or certainly with reps uh, to fill them. So do you want to start up front? I think up front is a is a good place to start. Um, Grant, we're we're doing this on the fly. Yeah. Let's do who who we think is going to start. And okay. again, most of what we're getting is from like Jeremy and the Frog Cat. Like he's yeah, at yeah, camp, yeah. he's seeing stuff. So we're not we're not breaking news. We're just going to yep. say that and then comment on the stats okay. of it. So yeah. yeah. Well, O'Shawn Mathis is my dad's favorite player, and Kari Coleman are going to be fearsome at defensive end. All right, let's start there. So Mathis had nine sacks last year, Coleman had three, and both are rated on PFF as top players for the Frogs. You do lose Parker Workman, uh, which I know chaps your high, Parker. What could have been, been, man? What could have been? You know, just so much potential wasted. Where is me on the line is the middle. Did I tell you about the time? I'm sorry. Did I tell you about the time I saw Parker Workman at a coffee shop and I saw his tattoo with my own eyes? No. What's his tattoo? For those who forget... Parker Workman has Workman tattooed Hell on yeah. his forearm in all caps. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Big fan. Um, what worries me on the line, <laughs> going back to football, is the middle, right? So TC's run-stuffing ability, because of the way the defense is designed, depends a lot on the tackles, and there's question marks there. It's a lot of guys who are fine or slightly less than fine or just who are young that do pretty much all come back. Right, so Corey Bethley, Patrick Jenkins, George Ellis, Earl Barquette, Terrell Cooper, Sonny Misi. Who did I miss? You're pointing a finger up at me. Uh, Bethley, Bethley was hurt last he was, year. Yes. So I'm giving him a pass yeah. there. I think the ones that I'm highlighting that I'm most worried about, like Sonny Misi is a great practice player. Yeah, but he, and he should get some game reps, but they should be not at the time that he got game reps last right. year. Um, yeah. I didn't write this post because it felt mean. But when TCU had a big run problem earlier in the year, all five of those were when Sonny Misi yeah, was playing. Right, exact, tackle. exactly. Um, I've got to pronounce his first name. Uh, Jacque Sorrells is a four-star that redshirted off last year. I'd love to see him get reps. My, if you're so, my ideal two defensive tackles, if Grant is running the TCU defense, which is a scary proposition, is Jenkins and Bethley, um, because I think Jenkins has a lot of talent. But I would imagine it's Bethley and Cooper, just for experience's sake. Right, I, th- I think you agree with that. I'm also, yeah, absolutely, and 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 it's it's important to note that like TCU says they have two tackles, but they have a nose and then they have a three yeah, technique, yeah. right? And so the nose is gonna be is gonna be Bethley. It's gonna be you know Bethley's what like three huge, yeah, the main, um, main, yeah. and and he's just gonna be the clog up the middle. And, and TCU didn't have that last mm-hmm. year. TCU could not stop inside zone last year at all. Um, and, and they really struggled with kind of up the middle runs because they didn't have a disruptive presence. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about the defensive ends and we, well, maybe we won't, cause we've talked about them so much on the defensive podcast with Vass and They're stuff and about, you know, contain and rush They're good. Uh, and what their responsibilities yeah. are. But up front matter, like they're going to be better this year and take pressure off the secondary. But the run stopping game starts with Bethley as the anchor, being able to soak up that a gap and that B gap on one side. The tackle, the, the, the non nose, the, the other tackle of three technique is the one I'm worried about. Grant, Kenny Turnier, uh, I mean Terrell Cooper, I think could be could be better. Well, yes, yeah, Kenny Turnier is a guy that I'm better. Yeah, um, yeah, really excited okay. about. Um, he was a defensive end at UCF. They play a different scheme than the four two five, and so he might be. I know that I'm doing this again. He might be what Brandon Bowen don't do that was to me. Gonna don't be last do that year. To me. I, 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 he could be oh. the defensive end who bulked up and moved inside and became a mobile fearsome tackle grant look at the sacks right from last year or even the pressures right mm-hmm. and 
you look at and and Terrell Cooper had ten on two hundred twenty four pass rush snaps, and then basically nobody else had any yeah. up the middle at all. There was no disruption. If you look at like stops, for instance, and so that PFF stop stat is kind of you know getting uh, getting somebody short of a successful mm-hmm. play, and you look and nobody top. Terrell Cooper has 11. He is eighth on the team. That is not what you need no. from your upfront guys. No, it's not. And, and he is a good transfer. And I'm glad TCU got him. I, I just, I, I, I think Beckley and Cooper will be there just because Patterson loves guys that are his. And he's reluctant, I think, at times to play transfers, even when they do um, pose some talent. I, I just, well, and I, I know he plays in too, but it, I don't know. There'll be a rotation there for sure. I, I got thrown off by you saying oh. Brandon Bowen because it made me so sad. Uh, I know. I'm sorry. Uh, is a dream alive if it doesn't come true, Grant? Or is it? Is what it happens to a dream deferred? I would ask you. Um, that, see that that one I think is oh wow okay. Um, <laughs> Shout out Langston. Hughes. I think the, this is one of those rotation things, Grant. Where okay, maybe the best reps from like four or five different guys, if we could spread it out, will be good enough to be a starter. But ideally, you'd like to know. I feel pretty good about that other tackle. Again, depth is good. TCU always has weird injuries, yep. uh, especially up front when those guys are so active. So if we can keep them fresh and the depth doesn't involve Sonny Misi playing uh, yeah. a ton, yeah, I think I, that's good. And I want Jenkins and Sorrells to get reps in that rotation. But um, but yeah. I, I I don't think it's a negative line, especially with Mathis and Coleman there at end. I mean, those, those guys are studs. Um, you know who I'm uh, really – we talked about this last week about like Dylan Horton – I just think it's really important to know he'll he'll be in the yeah, rotation at defensive he end. He was a safety in high school, and he must have just been yeah, murdering. Dude, people. I can't but he's playing imagine. defensive end now. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like he he's gained a lot of weight sure. and everything. But yeah, so he'll he'll be in the rotation too. That feels magnitudes better than any top to bottom defensive line than TCU has had in years. It does, and, and, and the strength is in pass rushing for sure, which. In the Big 12, that's handy. Teams like Kansas State and Iowa State kind of worry me because of their schemes and the way they kind of you know use the run to set up the pass, or, or just they're just pretty much bold about running up the middle. But um, I, I think on the whole, it's a net positive. I would say that. Absolutely. Can I ask you sure. a question? Do you know what NFL Street is? Like NBA oh, Street, but the I, NFL I, Street version. As if I didn't play the hell out of NFL Street too. Okay, NFL Street is what like five on five or something. Yeah, I don't, I don't care. Whatever. I think it's five on five. Yeah. Assume that the other three players are the same. You okay. get uh, Parker is currently trying to think of a name that is escaping okay, him. You get Matt Boson oh. and Ben Bamboo. <laughs> or I couldn't get Boson's name. I was like the long haired guy. Matt Boson and Ben Bandigu. Or you get Kari Coleman and Oshawn oh, Mathis. Man. Who do you pick? Uh My okay, my heart says Boson and Banagu. My head says Mathis and Coleman. I think I think uh are you familiar with the phrase about like a person being bad? I think Boson is bad. In NFL Street you need, yeah, you need yeah, to be yeah, a little yeah. bad. But I do think on paper I'm, I'm taking You need a guy that's gonna yeah. jump off a wall and make a tackle. I think Boson can do that. Um Absolutely. Um you want to, okay. I, so so I'm 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 feeling uh, cautiously optimistic. Sure. I don't think the defensive line is the weak link in the no. defense. Which it was last year, absolutely. Yeah, and here's the thing, Parker. As we move to linebackers, that I think this is the weak link. Um, which 
worries me. Which is a great thing for a Patterson defense. I, think I, about the I, random names I just, who have played linebackers successfully for TCU. See, I disagree because I think Patterson's defense, and this is this honestly, I disagree, is because I think Patterson's defense relies so much on talented linebackers. And D. Winters is there, and that's great because I think D. Winters is very good. I have, I have a very, it's a vivid memory, but I can't remember the team of him shadowing a quarterback. On a uh, on a rollout and then just leveling in when he crossed the line of scrimmage, um, maybe in Oklahoma State I can't remember, but that opposite linebacker spot worries the hell out of me. It it does because it's um, unsettled. It is. You have Jaboy Hodge starting there. I'm not a uh, well. I'm not gonna say I'm not a Jaboy Hodge fan because he plays for TCU, but I'm not a uh, Jaboy Hodge believer. I'll say that. Okay, elaborate on that, and then if it's not Jamoy Hodge, who so is I, 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 he didn't impress me when he played last year. I, I think Wyatt Harris might fill that role. What's more likely? Who More snaps. Here we go. Over-under right here. Not over-under, yeah, but, but uh, more snaps. Colt Ellison at defensive end or Wyatt Harris? Wyatt Harris a linebacker. linebacker. Parker, I, I, I think. think so, but I don't know. White Harris played 31 downs last year, right? Not a lot, but it's the third most at linebacker behind Winters and Waldo. And look, he had three tackles and 31 downs. That's a tackle every 10 plays. That's pretty good. I wonder what it says about LeKendrick Van Zant that they didn't. So there's two linebackers, yeah. right? One of them is like the bulky. Yeah. Not, there's three. There's three linebackers. Yeah. One of them is like the bulky kind of run-stopping Garrett Wallow type. One of them is the rangy mid-coverage kind of backside D. Winters guy. And then the third one is the Van Zant step-for-step. I think there's a world where they, they bump Van Zant up, but I think that he's more coverage, more safety than linebacker decidedly. Now. I, I, I do too. I, and to be honest with you, I don't trust of the linebackers in the uh, in the arsenal. I don't necessarily trust a whole lot of them in pass coverage, which is really going to be a problem, right? Because especially with the running backs in the Big 12, that those teams but like to deploy. That's why I like Hodge, though, is that he, Winters is stays the coverage linebacker, and Hodge kind of becomes that run-stopping. Sure. Am I, talk, am I dreaming? I, I, I'm dreaming. I think you're dreaming. So I, I, I don't know. I, I, How big is Jamoy Hodge? Can I say this while you're looking this up? Yeah. I'm just going to say this because I know it's not true, but I need to get it off my chest. Shadrack Banks is 6'1", 250, and was a top 100 player in his class at linebacker. He's a true freshman. I don't expect him to necessarily be a starter. I want him to get snaps. I do too, and that would be... So, Jamoy Hodge is 6'2", 224. Okay. So, that's they that's pick your... Yeah, yeah. That's choose your yeah. fighter. So, th- that was kind of the question I just wrote, uh, wrote down to ask you. What game? So I think we did this in 2019 with like Delton and Duggan, and like what game does he take sure. over? That second linebacker spot is up for grabs. It is. At what game does Winter shift over to the coverage linebacker and and uh, and Shad Banks come in as the Mike? Uh, I'm gonna say after the Texas game because <laughs> they're gonna have to defend the running back in the passing game, obviously with Bijan and uh, Steve Car- Steve Sarkeesian's plan. So. Against Texas Tech, October 19th. If they make the switch, that's my call. Okay, my thought there is that means TCU loses that game, which Uh-oh. makes me well, very nervous. Yeah. 
And so my thought was, because um, if you if you look at knowing knowing Texas is going to use Bijan, um, Ulysses Bentley for uh, SMU had yeah. 26 targets last year, 8.3 yards per reception, but kind of an annoying um, kind of slot out of the backfield receiver. Um, 9.1 yards after catch per reception, like hmm. very, very much like a, if you don't catch me out of the backfield, I'm, I'm breaking off. And so I could see that being annoying in the SMU yeah. game and coach saying, yep, yeah. we're going to, we're going to switch this. Fair around. Enough. Um, but so I think, I think that weekend, I think, I think by October, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Shad Banks is starting again. It would be nice to be on like a normal team where freshmen could start, but, but we have to play these games every year. But this is a TCU podcast. Um, okay. Let's, let's go to the secondary here. So there are two glaring holes, right? What a secondary, what is. a secondary it is. There are two glaring holes. Uh, our Darius Washington and Trevon Merrick are gone. That sucks. But Kendrick Van Sant is back, and that's good. The problem is that who's going to replace Washington and Merrick? Uh, Atonza Vonger, who was a favorite of this podcast for really no reason at all, I think, uh, transferred, I think, to South Alabama. So Did he land? I didn't see I, where I he landed. I think South Alabama. Uh, okay, good yeah. for him. Uh, the odds... So, before we get to corner, that's safety... We have a disagreement here. So I think both of us have TJ Carter playing safety. TJ Carter, absolutely. Cornerback at Memphis, shifting yep. over to play safety. Um, yeah, yeah, jacked about that. And the Kendrick Van Sant uh, at, at the wide safety. The other safety position, I think Nick Bradford shifts over and becomes a full-time safety and takes over that role. Um. Elaborate. Well, a, he's listed at safety. Well, and B, he, he's made good plays. I mean, the guy's played in every single game since he's been at TCU. He's a junior now. Uh, he made a great play against uh, Jalen Hurts at Oklahoma. Obviously, he's a freshman. Remember that game? Uh, TCU lost that game, but whatever. He's, he still stripped him and, 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 and recovered the fumble. And the fact is, he's a great athlete, he's a great player, and there's a glaring need for him, whereas at corner, there's not necessarily a need for him. Uh, and I think he would fit in at safety. Yeah, so so I think that Nook Bradford, I, I, I think that, that strong safety spot is, uh, I think I have that backwards, my terminology. So I think TJ Carter is playing the Trevon Merrick okay. spot, whatever you want to call that. Lakinder Gaines Ants playing the um playing the the, the nickel. Dollar I mean, yeah, sign. Whatever. When I draw it, I say yeah, dollar yeah, sign, yeah. the nickel. Um so that third spot, I wonder because bringing in TJ Carter, like that would have been Bud Clark's spot, or excuse me, Nook, Nook Bradford's spot right there at safety for TJ Carter. And so bringing him in kind of changes the positions that they're playing and, and kind of opens it up because you've got Josh Foster who played a lot. You've got uh Deshaun McQuinn or McCoon, excuse me, McCune? McCune, yeah. McCune, Deshaun McCune, excuse me, uh, who, uh, you know, Coach Coach Patterson said some really good things about in the spring. And and then you've got Bud or, or Nook Bradford who could who could slide in there as well. So um, it's interesting to see because not everyone has played that position, that kind of Ardarius right. Washington roving cornerback. I, I, I feel like TJ Carter fits a little bit better there just because he did play cornerback. Sure. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. I Whatever the combination is, and, and, and this is why I'm a proponent of Nick Bradford being a part of the starting safety rotation is because he's played corner, and he's played safety, and he has that versatility. And he's also, again, a very good athlete and sort of a 
a proven commodity, right? So he, he had a bad injury last year, you know, uh, missed a large portion of the season, but he'll be back, and uh, uh, I don't know. Well, sorry, no, I, I, I just said something really stupid. Uh, Noah Daniels had the injury, not, not Noah Bradford, but... Yeah, um, yeah. Anyway, I, I, I just think he, he has the material to, to fill that spot. I also love Bud Clark. Um, I was high on him coming out of high school. I hope he cracks the rotation, but I, I think Bradford kind of has all the qualities that Patterson's looking for. It's it's nice to have, you know, I guess eight starters written in stone, maybe nine starters written mm-hmm. in stone for the TCU defense. Um, and then kind of who's going to fill in at that, that linebacker position, I think matters the most. The safety position, any one of those guys, whoever separates themselves, and we have a ton of depth. Um, so there'll be some rotation there, although I feel way better about that rotation than I do, you know, the defensive line rotation. Grant, maybe the crown jewel of this defense is is the cornerback unit. And so let's briefly kind of touch on what to expect out of um, what might be the best duo in, in college football at the cornerback Yeah, position. I mean, Travis Hodges, Tomlinson returns as, as certainly the best corner, best player on the TCU defense, really, and, and probably the best cornerback in the conference. And then you pair him with Noah Daniels, who was having a hell of a season before he had a season-ending injury, and that is an incredible corner duo, uh, which TCU has really lucked into uh, a lot in the past few seasons. Now, last year, that corner position out uh, opposite Hodges Tomlinson had a ton of injury. Of course, you mentioned Daniels. Keon Stewart also has suffered an injury, and that's why C.J. Caesar played. This is not a podcast that is designed to bury C.J. Caesar. It just so happens that we come into situations where we have to mention that he, he got thrown into a place where he was not ready. Uh, but you, uh, Grant, I don't know. If, you tell me you didn't watch. You haven't watched The Office. You don't know The Office well. That, I've watched every episode of The Office. Oh, you know The Office. Okay. Remember when this show I haven't watched? That's what you made a Parks and Rec earlier. You joke earlier. You throw yeah. me for all. Um, in the office, Michael Scott Paper Company, he leaves, Charles Minor takes over, and Pam goes with Michael, exactly and they need a receptionist. Yeah. And he says, Kevin, you man the phones. And Jim says, how can I put this uh, diplomatically? Kevin is performing as well in that role as anyone would expect him to do, uh, or expect a, a person like him to do. So, uh, again, it's not fair. Uh, it's it's not fair to Barry Caesar. I don't want to do that. Um, I, I, listen, you literally just quoted William Shakespeare. He got he got picked. I, I come That's not all. to Barry Caesar, but to praise him. Um, yes, but here's the deal. So Hodges Tomlinson and Daniels are starting. They need Keon Stewart, CJ Caesar to back up, and Keontae Jenkins. I really like. I think it's a talented corner. He'll be in that uh, backup role. So if TCU needs to rotate, hopefully again, Daniels and Hodges Tomlinson can maintain their starting roles and stay healthy. But um, once you know you need to sub out, I'm I'm pretty confident in the in the cornerback room right now. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think again, I like the I like the duo, and then I like all that, and I like the break gra- break glass in case of emergency. Sure. T.J. Carter uh, there too, and so I, I'm not super worried about the defensive backfield. Um, uh, you know, even, even you know some of these guys way down the depth chart, even if they have to start first time, I think will be better. And 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 you know what, Caesar got got a little uh, yeah, baptized got a little experience, fire. got a little yep. medal, which is the best way to get burns, I think, on you. Getting stuck in fire. Sure. Yeah, I think that adds up. Okay, but Parker, so we're wrapping up the TCU defense. Uh, optimistic, man. Like you said, like you know, nine out of eleven starters probably are, are, are set in stone, and, and then you have a, a question at linebacker and a question at safety. But but there's there's talent enough to fill those roles. This is a defense that can hold up to the tests that it will face in the Big Twelve. 
it's not going to be the best defense has had since joining the conference, but it's going to be an extremely solid defense at pretty much all positions. I think the question is, uh, is this a top 30 defense, top 40 defense, which generally Patterson's defenses at their worst are, or is this a top 20 defense? That's really the difference. I think it should be more of a top 20 defense given the profile of the conference and, and kind of who's there. But again, questions to be answered about cornerback health, about who plays that second defensive line. We, that's kind of the continuum. If everything fires, this defense is going to be not just kind of the typical annoying TCU defense. It is going to be a stifling unit. And so it'll be interesting to see kind of where we land on that spectrum. Yeah, the difference between a top 40 defense, which to I me, mean, again, TCU was what, mid-30s last year, and it should only get better this year. And a top 15 defense means TCU finishing, you know, 8-4 and four versus finishing 10-2 and two or 11-1. and one. Grant, let's move and talk about this offense. Let's talk about our, uh, maybe our favorite, our obsessive. This is an offense-leaning podcast. So I'm, I, we spent a ton of time on the defense, but I'm excited to spend a ton of time on the offense uh, as, as well. Um, Grant, this offense was, in a word, bad last year. Um, I think that's fair to say. Uh, 87th overall in EPA per play, 63rd in the rush, 81st in the pass. Grant, here's the stat that really kills me. 25.1% first down rate on first and second downs. So they avoided third downs on only one out of four drives, and they converted third downs at only 37.7% rate, which was 90th in the country. Grant, their average third down distance was 7.43 yards, 102nd in the country. Yikes. Remember in 2019 when third downs was TCU's calling card and that was supposed to be some kind of emblematic, you know, hey, this is things are going to get better? I, I do. Happier days. Yes, I do remember that. It, not good. Uh, Parker, I mean, we could say whatever we want about this offense, and I'm sure we will, but uh, it, it lacked identity, and I think that's the biggest thing. And I think coming into next year, there's reason for optimism to think that TC will have an identity. I agree. There, there is reason for optimism that TC will have an identity. Kind of we talked about with Jerry Kill, um, uh, a name that uh, most people, I mean, listeners of this program know, but a lot of people are overlooking is um, Tim Beck, yep. who uh, was a coach a long time at Pitt State. He's coming in. They, they ran a really interesting office. Um, Grant, I, I won't go too deep into scheme before I start going through units or everything, but two things I'm really interested and excited about are the jet sweep motion, mm-hmm. which I think will be prolific, especially given the rotation of pass catching running backs and kind of inside slot guys TCU has to kind of create some favorable matchups. TCU's motion last year largely involved moving Carter Ware opposite the three technique to get a better inside zone leverage. Um, and, and this year, I think the jet sweep and kind of a Max Duggan more downhill running offense will be really, really exciting. Two, Zach Evans out of the pistol. Go to YouTube right now. Google Zach Evans highlights 2020. You will watch Zach Evans out of the pistol is a monster. Downhill can find the hole um, and, and has that burst of speed to kind of move. So I think the pistol and the jet sweep, although we won't see them together, I don't think as much, um, are really, really interesting to me this um this this uh, upcoming season way less uh you know the again to quote michael scott the bad man is gone um way way fewer you know screens and goes way fewer chuck it up and hope our guy gets there and a lot more kind of designed routes intermediary routes some of the things we want to see it won't be an ideal offense i don't want you to hear me you know bright-eyed and bushy-tailed saying this is it this is exactly what we're doing but i think we'll at least have an offense that is it that is at least open 
to highlighting its player's strengths rather than hitting its head against the wall consistently and hoping something changes. I think it is, and I think the addition of uh, Beck as an analyst, or not the addition, but but Beck as an analyst and and, and Kill as whatever his title is at this point, uh, with Meacham is going to be a a, a solid um, system. I mean, I I, I think, again, the whole thing is building an identity, and and TCU just did not have that last year. So anything that, uh, listen, I don't care what it is. As Max walks over my stack of records mid-podcast, uh, hmm. as long as there is something that's an identity, uh, I'm fine with that. Exactly. Um, what did we say so many times last year? Don't half-ass two things, whole-ass one thing. And I think this year they will whole-ass one thing. Last year, even despite all the nonsense, they ran on 57.2% of early downs. Um, they also were really focusing on at one point they started running outside zone, that wide zone, just because they couldn't get the push they needed from the offensive line. So that kind of segues into the biggest question mark. I just want to get this out of the way for the, for the, for the offense. What is the offensive line going to be like? Um, is the offensive line going to be competent enough that TCU is able to even implement identity? Um, and, and I, again, this, this is the biggest one grant where I think kind of the fan and the analyst might diverge. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's not often that an offensive line goes from being abysmal to being decent. But I will say there are reasons for why that optimism might be not unfounded. Um, so you, you get the transfer uh, Obina Eze. Yeah. Uh, and and that's kind of a one-for-one with, with TJ Stormont. I think he's a little better than Stormont. It would have been nice if you could have convinced Stormont to stay and play right tackle, but for whatever, you know, reasons political economy that 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 didn't happen andrew coger can't be as bad as he was last year just absolutely cannot well and that's the thing parker and i don't mean to interrupt you but you know the offensive line should be better that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be good what worries me too and and and, you know andrew coger had eight penalties last year you know that's second on the team only to austin myers who had nine I, i i mean it's not just the fact that they, they weren't good at blocking. It's that they also were, like, fundamentally bad in terms of, you know, going— in terms of committing false starts and committing holding penalties, committing things that you just can't do as a line. Absolutely. And and if you go look at the pass-blocking grades grant on, on PFF, here's, here's, here's a perfect example of why I think, think some of these grades are really bad um, and why you have to be careful when you use them—not not you specifically, the Royal U— um, so like Wes Harris had an 81.7% uh, pass blocking grade, Brandon Coleman, 81, TJ Storm at 81, uh, Coy, uh, Coy McMillan, 72, uh, other guys who played a lot, Steve Avila, 68, John Land, 67. I think all of those are overrated. Grant, TCU was playing seven and eight man protections on every pass down the stretch. So not only were they playing against way worse competition on the defensive line, they were running huge protections keeping Carter Ware and a running back sometimes two running backs and just throwing one route and hoping it worked and they were able to you know find Quentin Johnston here and there because he can create separation but some of these pass blocking grades is like you can't compare that you can't translate that to a five-man pressure Max Duggan was still getting hit and checking down to the running back when they kept seven guys in last year it was an absolute unmitigated disaster um on top of all the other design issues so this year, there is reason to think that it will be better. Steve Avila is a very solid yep. center. Wes Harris at guard is very encouraging. Obina Easy, I think, is, is you know, 
People want to talk about his run blocking. I don't I don't think that matters as much. I don't think that's an issue. I think you've got to compare apples to apples. Um, and then at, at right tackle, you have Coker. The question is, we do have an offensive line hole there at guard, yeah. and I'm not really sure what we're going to do with it. I said we again. Um, my thought initially is that John Lands, who is very experienced, played a lot last year as a senior, will, will play and start out there. It is my hope that Garrett Hayes decisively takes over that role. Completely agree. Um, this is the point where I don't want to bury a college kid. So guard is a hole, and it's one that we have to fill. Coker at right tackle, I think, is sort of the biggest red flag for me. I, 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 so I, I don't bad. mean to Ideal, bury look, him. It's just In the words of Rocky Balboa, if I can change, you can change, anyone can change, right? Sure. Like, Sure. But, but man, it was so it bad. It was bad, and he'll... He's just got to be better. I mean, playing it simple, he's got to be better. Um, you know, you look at the TCU roster I have it up here, and you look at the tackles. I mean, Brandon Coleman, I suppose, is there. Um, Tyler Guyton you know, has promised, but but it, it's going to be— There is good depth, yeah, but it is going to be, be Coker. And, and that's that's the biggest question. And, luckily, you know, it's right tackle, not left tackle, and, and at least there's that. But that that's it, man, is can Coker um, improve, we'll say. Yeah, and, and again, having him there at the right tackle, um, I think it'll be interesting what they do schematically to kind of uh, account for that, adjust for that. Um, but, I mean, you know, Iowa State laid the template last year of you you, you don't have to bring an extra guy. Yeah. So TCU, Mac, Max Duggan was, was hit on uh, – not hit, excuse me, I'll say that one in a second. Max Duggan was pressured on 90 of his 286 dropbacks – they were only blitzed on 64 of them. So a third of pressures came not yeah. on a blitz, and TCU was keeping extra yeah. guys back there. That That's just an absolute disaster in the pass blocking. Grant, the run blocking, I think, is something that we are um, neglecting to talk about how bad it was. TCU's rushing success rate last year was just um, n- not where you'd want it to be. Uh, so I'm, I'm pulling up their exact ranking, excuse me. Their EPA per rush was negative 0.021, which is 63rd. Their success rate on rushing was 44, um, which is in the 50s. Again, for what this team wanted to do and how often they rushed, you really need a better push than that. You really need a better... TC was 104th in the pass and 54th in the rush. You've got to be good at one of them. And they were trying to be good at the rush last year, and they couldn't yeah, they do it. Yeah, they should have weren't. Um, which is a shame because, and we'll get to this, but the running back stable has a lot of talent. Uh, again, I, I think yeah. having an identity and having a scheme to take advantage of talent will matter because they won't just run inside zone on every play, and they they, they will mix pass and run, uh, I think, better this year, hopefully. That's the optimistic stance. One one would would hope. Let's talk. Um, let's talk about the. Uh, let's talk about the running backs. Because okay. again, big question mark at, at, at offensive line. Are they actually gonna? Were, were those mitigating circumstances last year really mitigating circumstances? Are they gonna take a step forward? Can Andrew Coker be that bad? Who's gonna play guard? Who's gonna play left guard? Um, you look at the rushers last year. You have Zach Evans with forty nine non garbage attempts. Kendra Miller with non uh, forty five non garbage attempts. Um, they were honestly very similar. 43% success rate for Evans, 44% success rate from Miller. A lot of people want to talk about Darwin Barlow leaving the program. And uh, I, I, you know, 
down the stretch, Darwin Barlow was not involved in the offense. He was largely phased out in favor of the young guys, writing on the wall that he was going to transfer just because he his usage went so down because Miller and, and Evans were so good that they kind of transitioned to that. Um, I do think there's passing game ramifications there as well. Um, but generally, both of those guys really, really good. Um, and, and, and um, you know, Zach, Zach Evans has that explosive ceiling that Kendra Miller doesn't, which I think is... Um, evident in their rankings and why they're you know recruiting rankings the way they are but i i think them plus having the workers of a married uh de mercado uh along with you know De- demarco foster is still there yeah. right and is still a good running back even if he is now maybe fourth on the depth chart i think we'll see um less and less de mercado than we have the last year last year there were times they were throwing designed passes to de mercado which no, didn't make no. sense from a right now or future standpoint. Um, I'm really excited mostly about the running backs because I think Evans will draw a lot of attention and maybe TCU will say, oh no, they're giving us a heavy box. Maybe we'll pass. Um, they'll probably just run it anyway, but maybe yeah. maybe they'll audible to a pass. The, the stat that sticks out to me, and again, this may be because I just listened to that Louisiana Tech podcast, but last year, last game of the season, Amar DiMarcato led TCU in carries. 13 carries. Uh, made no damn sense. But I think... There's, there's something to be said for having a rotating stable of capable backs. And while Evan should be the focal point, Miller's a gamer. Um, I, I don't want him pass blocking, but I, I, I like him when he has room to operate. I think Evans is sort of your every down back. And then you know, change of paces with Foster and, and DiMarcado work. I, as, as someone who has covered TCU uh, as you know, ostensibly as an objective journalist, but as a fan the whole time, I, I would have liked to see Barlow and Foster kind of be the thunder and lightning, quote unquote, um, sort of pair that uh, Darius Anderson and Shea Will Lua were. But Barlow's gone now, and that's fine. And a foursome of good running backs, man, I'm down for that. As long as Zach Evans gets most of the carries. It also might be the case that it's better for TCU's offense to only have lightning running backs. Yeah, no, Not to say, I like, agree. Miller and Evans are bowling balls. Sure. They're huge. Evans went two, uh, 217 yeah. or something, 212, 17 pounds up from last year. Huge. Um, and Miller's granted some. And so I think having kind of two similar running backs, um, I, I would love to see, I mean, th- this is why I was advocating for like Brennan Marion and bringing him in with that, yeah. that 20 personnel. But like, I would love to see Miller and Evans in the backfield and Evans go for a pass and Miller be kind yeah. of the run pass option and be like, pick, choose. Um, we won't see it. We've never seen no. it. It's easy. But, it's nice it. but it would be interesting. Yeah. They might run him out and split him out the slot or something. But uh, but again, I don't want running backs playing slot. So running back is really deep. I think they should. They were good last year. Evans, 7.7 yards per carry. Obviously inflated by a couple of huge runs against Baylor and against Kansas uh, and against Louisiana Tech. But all, all, all around, um, a more than competent unit and, and guys who have some playmaking ability, especially when you consider how deadly something like that Zach Evans wheel route could be because he can get past linebackers. Um, so yeah, really, really, really interesting there. That kind of leaves the, 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 the two most important, I think for, for TCU's 2021 units. We'll talk about max uh, kind of here at the end, but I, I think to talk about the wide receiver core, you have to talk about Doug Meacham and what he did when he came in, uh, in, 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 2019 or 2020 um Meacham immediately on and off the record said the 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 wide receivers are abysmal um this is not who I want in this offense and and what five wide receivers transferred um guys who I thought maybe had future John John Stevens Jr um 
Aldontre Davis, who I think could be could be good in the right context. Uh, Dylan Thomas, who who started at one point, like guys just got run off, um, and not not in a bad way of like he made them, but he just said this isn't the offense we're running. And so there is a unit now. I'm I'm really optimistic about Savion Williams as kind of so the second wide receiver tech because then you don't have you know three small guys and one big guy. You have two big guys and two small guys, and you kind of do the symmetry. And football's about geometry, and I'm really excited about that. So he didn't really get much play at all last year. Only four non-garbage time targets, um, but I do think that he will kind of be the the most interesting piece especially given the news uh, i think we heard mikhail barkley is is hurt and probably yeah. not going to play yeah which is a a detriment I, I i like mikhail barkley um he also is a guy that has a lot of potential that is not um let's say performed up to that potential so i i want him to be healthy i want him to be a contributing part of the offense but um speaking objectively i don't think it's going to necessarily hurt tc too much no, no, no. Um, but he was a guy that you would kind of expect to be there, and, and yeah. he's not. So you get J.D. Spielman back. I don't know that so, he's that interesting. He was he was hurt. No, oh, I, I wanted to ask about that because I, I think I, I want TCU to use J.D. Spielman, and they did not use him last year. Again, he suffered some – you know, he, he was battling through some stuff, but I, I would like to see him more involved. Yeah, and I, I think there's some really kind of death by a thousand cuts, really interesting stuff with Spielman, Darius Davis, and and Tay Barber. So each of those, you know, the, the, the number of targets is different, but Tay Barber, 0. 0.163 uh, EPA per target. Darius Davis, 0. 0.668 EPA per target. Uh, and then Spielman, 0. 0.25. So all, all three of those guys are, are similar. I think Tay Barber's a little bit better um, kind of in the middle and, and, and D Davis is a little more better, you know, downfield and, and Spielman will often be that guy that's moving back and forth in the backfield. And so you have kind of the big pieces outside, you have the, uh, kind of flexible people in the, in the middle. I, I, I think this is a really nice one, two punch. Um, Grant, I think Quentin Johnson yeah, man. is the best wide receiver in the big 12. Okay. Well, no, but, um, I, I, I like your optimism. Who, who am I Modern not thinking man. about? Don't give me that. No, Parker. I know what okay. I said. Well, I'm going to I know what I said. Um, I, before we move on to Max, I want to give a shout-out to two TC wide receivers that could be adult film stars. Uh, that is TJ Steele and JR Justice. Um, oh, so, gosh. Um, Parker, I, I, I can't wait anymore, man. I want to talk about Max Duggan. Wait, okay, can we just do one thing? I should have said I should have just mentioned Carter wearing yes. his oh, touchdown yeah, yeah, yeah. during the yeah. running during the running back section because he's a fullback and a tight end hybrid kind of H back thing. So he counts as one of the backfield. That's he's gonna be on the field a lot. It's gonna get interesting to see what happens with him if all these wide receivers are healthy and you start doing the calculus of what offense do I want to yeah. run versus how many weapons can I put yeah. on the field. Um it is time. Let's talk, let's talk about Max Duggan. 0.086 EPA per play last year, a 39% passing success rate, a 61.3% completion rate, only a 28.4% first down rate, 0.171 EPA per pass, negative 23.5 EPA on sacks last season, over three touchdowns. Grant, is Max is Max Duggan a no. quarterback? What's going on? What's going on? He was saddled behind the worst offensive line I think I may have ever seen at TCU. Uh, yeah, it, for as much as the memes in 2019 where he's running for his life, um, 2020, he wasn't running for his life. He was just getting, yeah, he was murdered. actually just, yeah, he was just getting sacked. Um, uh, in that same Zach Evans highlight video that I mentioned, you should go, uh, Google. 
you will see Max Duggan throwing to Zach Evans a lot because even when they're running seven man protection, he is getting, he is getting hit uh, and just absolutely um, insane. So I mentioned that he was uh, pressured on 30, uh, over 30% of his passes. Grant, he still had a 70% adjusted completion percentage. Um, and if you look at that breakdown by, uh, excuse me, by pressure and non-pressure in, in, in a clean pocket, Max Duggan had a 72% adjusted pressure rate in a, in a 64% when he was pressured. Um, and so that's a step up from 2019 where, um, I think, I think a six point, uh, average overall step up on his accuracy in those situations. And so we, we saw signs that he was improving some, but we also saw signs that he was asked to do things that he wasn't very good at. So outside uh, of the numbers, deep, he was 4 for 13 left. He was 5 for 16 right. In the middle, he was 8 for 17. That gets even more stark when you look at 2 for 7, 10 yards down the field on the right side, 2 for 5, uh, 10 yards down the field on the left side, but 16 for 23 over the middle. Max Duggan can make that read. He can hit the ball over the middle. And when TCU asked him to do that, there were some great moments. Yeah, and that's the weird thing, because for most quarterbacks is, can you make that pass over the middle, right? Maybe you can't drop into a buck on the sideline, you can one-on-one on a corner or whatever, can or can't. But over the middle is where, like you said, you have to make that read and you have to kind of navigate your way through a maze of defenders. And Duggan is, for whatever reason, especially good at that, and TCU oftentimes decided not to use it. Um, it, it, it is a weird skill set. I will not argue with that. It is also a skill set that can be used to achieve great things. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and I think that, again, the biggest question here is not, uh, I mean, there, there are question marks about Max Duggan. The question is, uh, is his development mechanical and is there an issue with how he throws the ball? Or is there an issue with his mental side of the game and his processing because he's had to play under such bad offensive lines and is he going to struggle with kind of being developed from that? And so that's kind of my biggest question about Max Duggan is I don't think there are physical issues. Yes, Max Duggan, 2019, was throwing fastballs and bouncing passes off hands. But um, I, I really don't think that the issue with Max Duggan was his mechanics. I think that there's some really smart people um, – that have said that Duggan is underrated, that he is a candidate for making a big jump. Um, I'm specifically looking at right here, uh, Ryan Roberts, who is is runs Ryzen Draft, which is a really good kind of scouting and, and drafting uh, uh, draft website, says Max Duggan is officially my pick for obscure quarterback who could make a very unexpected rise. Absolutely, I couldn't have said it better. I don't think that there's any reason that Duggan should have been on the national radar the last couple of years. I think his rushing ability and his passing downfield um, uh, when he, out of a clean pocket gives him the biggest opportunity to kind of break onto the national stage this year. Yeah. And if- that's going to depend on the, that's going to depend on the offensive line and on the, what they ask him to do. But I think both of those things are going to improve from where they were last year. And Duggan wasn't awful last year. No, he wasn't. He was, he was fine. And, and I think we should mention as if we haven't already, but we, we should note, I suppose that his rushing ability is really incredible and his ability to make plays out of seemingly nothing and also capitalize on design runs and zone reads and all that is, is a weapon that a lot of quarterbacks don't have. Um, He's, he's a legitimately very good runner. I, I, I will say scrambling maybe isn't his best. I mean, throwing on the run, per se. Because when he, when he decides to run, there's no backing out of it. Now, I think sometimes he'll bail a little bit early. But um, 
I don't necessarily blame him because he's been running for his life for two straight years. Yeah, he definitely was was running a, a lot faster than um, a lot more than than people thought. But again, if you design the offense where he can run, they respect the sure. run, and then that frees yeah. up the pass. And there's you know consequences actions. Um, let, let's play a really fun game uh, about some some really good quarterbacks that are coming in to twenty twenty one, or even some good twenty twenty quarterbacks. Uh, did Max Duggan have a higher or lower QBR than this quarterback? Okay. First one. Michael Penix Jr., a favorite, a a, 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 a very, very well-regarded quarterback coming into 2020. Higher. Higher. Uh, Bo Nix. Oh, lower? Lower, 73.1 was Bo Nix. Uh, Tyler Shuck. Oh, higher. Lower, okay. actually. Yeah, um, very similar uh, pass EPA between those uh, Penix and, and Duggan where Chuck offer Chuck and Nick's offer no rushing ability yeah. and had had better passing than Duggan. Um, another one that I like uh, Peyton Ramsey at Northwestern. Higher, I hope. Yeah. Higher, absolutely. Uh, this is this one's kind of fun. Carson Strong, Nevada. A higher. Uh, much higher. Carson Strong had sixty four point four EPA per pass, um, or not per pass EPA added to. Uh, QBR, Max Duggan only had 19, but Strong took uh, a billion sacks and played a weak schedule. So you have to adjust that. Um, The last one, the one I think that is the most, um, is interesting the word? I don't know that interesting is the word. Um, Levi Lewis, Louisiana. The way you phrase that, I'm guessing, means lower. He actually had a higher one than Levi Lewis. Spencer Sanders, last one. Higher? 68.9 68.9 yes. to Sanders, 68.7. So um, again, there's a lot of uncertainty. You just hear a lot of these names are getting talked about well uh, going into 2021. And I think that Duggan gets a lot of disrespect because he's had to play um, and has played poorly because he's been getting killed and hasn't been there. So, um, or not hasn't been there, hasn't been um, able to kind of grow and learn and, and, and play into himself. So um, Grant, let's move to schedule. Let's move to predictions. Why don't we go ahead and take a minute and let's hear from the let's hear from some of our listeners about what they think is going to happen to TCU in 2021. This is Will from Houston. Uh, my prediction is a 12 and two TCU record this year, including a Sugar Bowl win over I'll say Georgia um, in in that game. And then uh, in order to to get to a 12 and two record obviously i think the offensive mvp would probably have to be max duggan and i'll go with d winners as my defensive mvp choice how's it going parker and grant my name is tommy fisher Um, i live in mansfield texas i've been a horn frog fan since 2008 when i moved to the metroplex Um, i think that tcu will go 11 and 1 this year i think their one loss in the regular season will be against oklahoma um, I think obviously we'll be playing in the Big 12 championship. And uh, I think that Oklahoma will beat us again in the Big 12 championship. I think our offensive MVP is going to be Max Duggan. I think he's going to take a tremendous jump in his completion percentage this year. I think he's in for a big year. I think the defensive MVP is going to be O'Shawn Mathis. I think he's going to have a huge year. I think he's going to be a first team All-American when it's all said and done. I think he'll also lead the Big 12 in sacks. I think we're going to be playing in 
I think TCU will play in the Peach Bowl this year. I think that we're going to play Texas A&M, and we're going to beat them in the Peach Bowl. I'm Colin Post. I'm a senior at TCU. I think the Frogs are going to go 10-2 and this year with an appearance in the Fiesta Bowl after losing in the Big 12 title game to Oklahoma. I think the offensive MVP will be wide receiver Quentin Johnston, and the defensive MVP will be cornerback Trey Tomlinson. What's up, Stats of War? This is Austin Flanagan. I'm from Naperville, Illinois, and a current senior at TCU. I'm in the sports broadcasting program here, and I'm also potentially going to have a sports talk show on KTCU. So I had to plug it in there real quick. Hopefully when that comes to fruition, I'd love to have you guys on and talk with you guys. Uh, But we can talk about that later. But my take for TCU this year is I honestly think this is a 9-3, 10-2 team when you really look at it, just from a depth perspective and just how things are aligning. And I really do think this team's going to end up in Arlington in December, and we're going to play OU. We get there. I'm not expecting to win. You know, I think OU is probably going to win the national championship this year. But I do think we can go 9-3, and 10-2, get to the Big 12 championship, and then get the bid – uh, to the New Year's Six, which this year I believe would put us in the Sugar Bowl. Offensive MVP, got to go with Zach Evans. I just think that his talent and if he can truly hit the kind of cap that we know that he has as a five-star, one of the best running back prospects the state of Texas has ever seen, then there's not going to be a lot of defense in this country that are going to be able to contain him. And then my defensive MVP is Noah Daniels. I think that if he stays healthy this year, he's actually just going to turn into – the, the biggest lockdown player on the whole team. Just the way he plays and has played over the years has been so consistent, even though he hasn't played that much. But when he does play, he proves that he is a difference maker. So I do think that uh, Noah Daniels will be our defensive MVP this year. Hi, gang. Kyle Malloy at YellMK on Twitter.com. I'm here in Fort Worth. TCU's 2021 record will be 10-2 and with a loss against Oklahoma and somebody else stupid, probably Kansas State. Uh, But what that does is set us up for a nice bowl game. I'm going to go with the Sugar Bowl versus Alabama because I do think that Georgia is going to win that conference. When it comes to MVPs, I'm not going to get cute. Um, In order for TCU to be successful, Max has to be that guy. And on the defensive side, we need O'Shawn Mathis to step up and defend his honor as the other media day's attendee. Uh, But they need to get consistent pressure from the beginning Uh, to allow those young linebackers and safeties to really grow up and come into their own. Can't wait for the season. See you all at the tailgate. Go Frogs. Well, we have all of those picks uh, now uh, documented on on the podcast, and if you're wrong, we're going to shame you uh, ruthlessly as we're as we're prone to do. Uh, Grant, let's go game by game here for TCU uh, in 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 2021. A schedule that is interesting. It is one of the years where they have to go to the Oklahomas um, and they have to go to Iowa State, which is now uh, an issue. So we'll kind of see how this breaks. TCU starts the season next weekend, September four, uh, versus Duquesne, Duquesne, De- Duquesne. Uh, the 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 Dukes, and then they host uh, Cal, the Bears. Justin Wilcox defense comes in. What are your thoughts on? Uh, we'll, we'll preview them, but what do you think TCU does uh, to kind of start the season there? I mean, I think you have to go three and out there. I mean, I, I think obviously, okay, no offense to, to uh, Duquesne, um, but I think you you win that game. Uh, Cal is interesting. I, I, obviously, that defense is, is stout, but I think TCU has what it takes to win that game. And then SMU, honestly, I'm kind of worried about, even though it is a home game for TCU. I think they win it. I I I, I think. 
I have no evidence to prove this, but I would hope that the memory of the last time those two teams played sticks in the crawl a little bit of both the TCU players and the TCU coaches. I think they win that game. So I, I think on, on the balance, they should be favored in all those games and win them. The, the one thing that I don't like about SMU is that they will have played three games coming in, and that was the issue in 2019, yeah. is SMU just played way more games. But TCU also had a lot newer of a team. Um, and so TC will only have played two, but they'll have Cal, a real live opponent. I like having another opponent before that. So I think they should win. Remember in 2019, everything broke uh, yep. SMU's way and, and, and SMU still barely won that game. So uh, I, I do think that's a pretty solid 3-0 to start the season. I think we'll learn a lot about the offense against Cal. That's a really interesting way for um, TC to get some insight into what some defenses in the Big 12 are doing. You think about Justin Wilcox and how much Dave Aranda versus um, – you know, some of, some of these other guys are kind of incorporating those concepts. So I like having Cal on the schedule schematically because it will be a really tough test for the offense early on, um, but but a very winnable game there. For sure. Uh, also, all those games are at home. And then they start the Big 12 at home as well uh, against Texas. The, they do. And they play Texas yeah, early, which I, like. I think only benefits them this year. Yeah, right? that has to benefit TC because Sarkeesian will be able to kind of um, – well, I mean, it'll be four games in the season, and, and Sarkeesian's offense will be running as, as high as it can, and they'll likely have a freshman quarterback in Hudson Card. Um, they announced, I, I do believe, well, someone said sources. It's it's going to be yeah, Hudson Card. Yeah, I'm basing that off of my uh, Texas fan friend who is very active on Orange Bloods. But, uh, yeah, so Hudson Card in that game, I think TCU beats Texas. So they start the season 4-0. Can we pay your Texas fan friend $5 a month for him to send us every post calling for Casey Thompson to start? Uh, the, the problem with my Texas fan friend is that he is very much an Orange Bloods guy. So I don't know necessarily. Oh, no. Okay. Uh, yeah. Redacted. Withdraw is, uh, that from the jury. Forget I, I, that. I would, I, I I would call that. him a poster if I uh, if had to describe him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, well, then I wish you the best, sir. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what are you saying? What are you saying, Texas? I'm saying because it's early. I'm leaning more towards um, more towards yeah. a win. I think Texas's defensive line is going to be really disruptive. That makes me very nervous. Um, and I think Texas's offensive, you know, they have they have explosive uh, offense potential. I'm actually going to call that the 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 loss. Really? Okay. I'm I'm going win, but okay. Um, next weekend they travel to Texas Tech. I, uh, TCU has struggled with Texas Tech uh, kind of historically. Uh, they lost a 2019 and 2018 game. They really had no business losing. And uh, and so that's going to be a win. But again, if it's October 9th and it's night in Lubbock, it's going to be annoying. It's going to be very annoying. TCU will probably also be ranked at that point. If they've beaten those four teams that they've beaten, um, probably ranked, I don't know, 18th. That's, that's my bet going into that game. Bookmark it if it's a. There are receiving votes, so I think if they go beat Cal, I think if they're two and zero, they're they're looking at twenty five. Right, and then you beat Texas, who is right to start the season. So that's what I'm saying. Like if mark it down, TCU's going to be ranked 18th heading to Texas Tech. Bookmark this, whatever. If, if I'm right, I, I will agree with if, top if twenty I'm for right, sure. Venmo me five dollars. I'll I'll DM, DM you. That <laughs> um, the problem is that after that they go to Oklahoma. Which, again, that was kind of setting up for, like, I hate having a very annoying game yeah. and then immediately playing Oklahoma right after. On the road. Uh, that, I'm going to mark that as a loss. I um, I think I tend to agree with you. I think I think they're going to lose that game, which, which to me that stinks because then we're looking at 
four and two uh, with one, two, three, four, five, six, you know, six games left on the schedule. But um, yeah, that that one I feel like is really rough. The big question there is, are they going to let that bleed into hosting West Virginia, a team whose offense is maybe worse than TCU's ever yeah, was? No, I, 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 do, I think they're going to beat West Virginia. I, I'm not as high on West Virginia as you. I think they're going to beat West Virginia. I think so. I, I think I agree with that. Um, I think they absolutely should beat them. And that by that point, the offense is either happening yep. or it's not. We're going to know. It's not like West Virginia's – like that's – you know, not that Texas and Oklahoma aren't going to have good defenses, but like West Virginia is going to be the defense where I'm like, okay, we, we know. And either th- this isn't going to be the game that makes or break. This is going to be the game that's like, if we're not ready going into it, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be 2020 all over again. This is the game where it's yeah. like West Virginia's defense is solidly above average to the point where we've seen a play. We've seen a play Texas, seen a play OU. Okay, against an above average but not great defense, does the offense work? Uh, my, my, I'm, I'm betting this may be the optimism that it will, so I'm saying it's a win. I think so. And then would that make TCU ranked uh, still with only uh, only a loss yeah, to Oklahoma? I think so. That puts them at yeah, six and one. You're oh, absolutely. Twenty twenty one, right there. Going to Kansas State. <clears throat> Going to Kansas State. I think that's absolutely a win. I think Deuce Vaughn is on tape. I think TCU should have won that game with a competent offense last year. I think the that. Um, they match up really nicely with, uh, you know, having having a rangy yep. guy like Lakendrick Van Zandt who can kind of shut down and TJ Carter to also shut him down. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's a win. Then you host Baylor on November 6th. Win. Calling that a win, too. I, I don't think there's any reason TCU shouldn't win yep. that game. Uh, this one's tricky, Grant. This is, you know, the, the, to end the season there, you get a threesome that's a little bit tricky at Oklahoma State. Yeah, Um I'll put it this way. If you ask me which team is better before the season, to start the season, which team would you rather take, TCU or Oklahoma State? I'm going to take TCU. And so I'm going to call this a win, even though it is at Oklahoma State. Um, I think that's the right way to go. I think that the matchup problems on Oklahoma State's offense that TCU's defense present, kind of the same thing as Kansas State to a little bit of different degree. Like last year, Oklahoma State was obviously better than TCU. There were some injury issues, but – I think that Patterson knows a little bit about what they're trying to do on offense and, and is yeah. going to figure that out. And then he hosts Kansas. That's um, so. Yep, that's a win. Oh, boy. And I need to see. And then you get the big yeah. one. You get Iowa State uh, here at the end of the season. Um, I don't – I so this game absolutely uh, is going to have ramifications for – the Big 12 championship. It's already scheduled at 3 or 3 p.m. It's going to be on Fox. Um, it is going to be a, a big, big game. It might be TCU's biggest game of the season because it will determine, uh, I, I do think, who goes to that second spot in in Arlington. Um, I like that it's not anything weird like a night game. We already know that. It's a Saturday game. It's um, it's right after Thanksgiving. Uh, so there's a world where, you know, some of the Iowa State kids go home and maybe, maybe Jack Trice is not as bumping as uh, – as yeah. as possible it would be awesome if iowa state wore all black in that game and tc wore their white mm-hmm. and black uniforms too and just created maximum chaos but um i don't know grant Th- this feels like the season right right now i have them at uh nine and two and, I have and, and iowa one. state so yeah is the difference between you know 10 or 11 and uh and 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 kind of that you know nine hey feeling good about ourselves or 10 or 11 are we flirting with the playoff kind of a deal um this is the top 15 matchup if everything breaks like we think it is. I'm going to be honest with you, Parker. This is a head or heart thing. In my head, I think TCU loses this game the way it's stacked. 
Um, so, because I, I think 10-2 and two is probably the right record for TCU. And as we've gone through the schedule, I felt pretty confident about all the things, uh, about all the uh, predictions. Which means that that second loss has to come in this game. I, 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 there certainly is a world where TCU wins. This is absolutely not a definite loss. I think on the balance, if you ask me right now, I would, I would predict TCU would lose this game. I think that's where I'm going to, which stinks, because then I have this at 9-3. and three, But Grant... Nine and three would be TCU's best season since yeah, 2017. I and I would have far. a ten and two, which is definitely the best season in a while. I, I just, I, I it, you know, you mentioned earlier, you know, why uh, equals mx plus b. You know, that kind of the confidence interval. That's not what the confidence interval is, but you know what I mean. Yeah, 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 sure, yeah, sure, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Um, Political science, the Overton window, right? What's reasonable in discussion? Ten and two is certainly yeah. like, hey, that like I think is my goal for TCU, and I think it's reasonable, and I think that's. Uh, that lost to Iowa State completes it. I think so. I mean, I'll say in terms of plausible outcomes, barring, you know, major injury for TCU, I think nine, like eight to 11. Yeah, absolutely. Eight, eight would be an awful yes, season, Grant. That's where yep. I am at TCU. Yep. Eight would be an awful season. Okay, so you have them at 10 and yep. two to end the season. I have them at nine and three. That That both of us, I think, puts them just short of being in Arlington, which I will say... They should be in Arlington. If they are not in Arlington, something is yeah, very wrong. I agree. And, and so, but again, there's a world that beat Iowa State. They make it there. Absolutely, there is. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Uh, yeah. And 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 yeah. they can. So that puts them. Uh, depending on how everything shakes down, Oklahoma goes to the playoff. Then Iowa State goes to the Sugar Bowl. That that are we projecting an Alamo Bowl? That feels so it underwhelming. Feels very underwhelming. I hate the Alamo oh, Bowl. Oh no! Come on. We've been there. We've done that. It's so dumb. I want to go. But, I wanna, but both I those Alamo Bowls were amazing. Oregon and Stanford, both huge comebacks. Very fun. Yeah, that's whatever. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I, 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 As I'm seeing that, I'm like, man, Alamo Bowl leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, that's does, disappointing. Life is, life life is, is suffering. Um, I think 9-3 and three would be great. Uh, that That is a little bit of state media. I think if this team is not in Arlington, um, something's real, real wrong because they. I, I think they absolutely have yeah. the talent to. But then again, you did put all your eggs in the basket of um, – 2021 when you know everybody was doing that as well so grant that's uh that's about that's not all i that's not all we could say about tcu but i think that is all we should say about tcu tonight um we are gonna um post uh an offense and a defensive preview in, in written form get some of these numbers a little bit more formalized for you we're gonna turn on the the paywall slash tip jar um starting on game yep. week i'll send out an email uh, here in the next couple of days just to make sure and uh thank you to everyone who sent something in uh, i'd like to do that you know some kind of call in line to get reactions from the games maybe we can set that up if you are a nerd with too much time on your hands and you want to help facilitate that dms are open uh you can follow me at stats war on twitter you can follow grant at grant mcgalliard spelled like it sounds with all those vowels other than that this has been our tcu preview podcast uh go frogs, go frogs baby I'm sorry there were so many